Good morning. Glad to see you here this morning. Uh, we're starting a new message series, Lives and Letters. It's a little different than uh, most of our series. Uh, we're going to be diving into looking at a little bit how the Bible's structured, uh, particularly where the New Testament letters fit in, and how to see what's going on in the lives of people they were written to and the lives of people that were writing them. A timely letter can be a real help and very encouraging um, when you want to communicate in a way that you're remembered, that is remembered, that's a little more permanent than a text or an email or a tweet <laughs> or something like that. You write a letter. You send send a letter. Uh, handwritten cards, notes, letters, they're powerful ways to communicate. If you take the time and think through how you're going to do it, they're a way to encourage, sometimes a way to instruct or address situations. Some, sometimes letters come just at the right time, and they make a deep impression. It's those kinds of letters that you hang on to. I don't, I don't know. I have, I have, I keep the letters that, the cards and the letters that, you know, touch me. I keep those and put them in a drawer so I can read them again at times, get a boost, get some perspective, refocus. Here's a picture of the envelope to a letter that's important in our family. Uh, it's a letter from my father-in-law written to his parents during World War II. He was on the battleship Bunker Hill. And it's a pretty cool letter because he's coming home. It says that on the, on the envelope, and it's got a picture of his ship, the Bunker Hill, on that. And as you read the letter, you get a glimpse into that part of history. He mentions their role in the invasion of Iwo Jima, uh, we gained some insight by reading a letter into kind of who my father-in-law was, Woody, how he thought, uh, what was going on as he worked through uh, the, the the rigors of battle. He was a gunner on the on the gunship, and so he talks about just you know being there for longer than he thought he could endure, uh, firing away at the enemy. So. Sorry, that gets to me. Just thinking about his role. It was a time in our country when just men were totally fired up to go help. A well-crafted letter can have a long-lasting impact in our lives, often beyond the author's original intent. Here's a letter that Martin Luther King wrote from jail in Birmingham, Alabama, and this is a letter where he was encouraging people in the country to do the right thing. He's trying to say, look, part of the letter reads, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. That, that needed to be said. He needed to write that, needed to get out there. People needed to do the right thing. In this series, what we're going to do is we're going to dig into letters found in the Bible and it's going to be a little different kind of message series, as I said. It's going to feel like a classroom at times. 
But I think it's going to be good. I think that's going to be helpful. Um, so let's put class into session and get started. Uh, here's some answers to background questions about the Bible. To understand specific passages, you need to know kind of the context of Scripture, and you need to know how that book fits into the concept, the context of the whole Bible. So how does the Bible fit together? We're going to look at that for a brief moment here. The Bible is a unified collection of 66 books written by 40 authors over a period of several hundred years, actually over well over a thousand years. It's divided into what is called the Old Testament and the New Testament. Here's a chart of the different letter, letters or different books in the Bible. Um, the, the Old Testament part is the part that comes before Jesus. And you can see there's law, history, poetry, major prophets. The poetry books are sort of poetry and wisdom books. They contain a tremendous amount of uh, wisdom in them. And then there's major prophets and minor prophets. So there's books of prophecy in there. The New Testament has uh, histories of the life of Jesus or biographies of the life of Jesus, a history of the church, the early church, when it got started, some things God did to do that. And then there are 21 letters, and uh, there's letters written by Paul. He wrote most of them. There are letters written by Paul to churches. Most of them are those, some to individuals, and then general letters that were written to churches in general uh, by folks very close to Jesus when he lived here on earth. And then uh, there's Revelation, which on this chart it's, it's considered a, a letter, but it's really a sort of a vision that God gave John of the future events, things that would happen. And then uh, it's, it's, so it's, it's really more of a prophecy about what's coming up as the world wraps up in history. So uh, today we're focused on the letters, and so I want to get into what those letters are. So what are the letters? 21 of the 27 books, as I said, are letters. That's over 75% of the New Testament are letters written to individuals, most written to churches, scattered around the world, the Roman world in the first century. So they tend to carry the name of the people or person that they were sent to. So, for example, when you hear about, hear, hear the, about the book of Romans, it is Paul's letter to the church at Rome. And so it has that name. Ephesians is Paul's letter, the Apostle Paul's letter to uh, first century Christians living in a town called Ephesus. So Ephesians, they were Ephesians. <clears throat> I don't know if we're Ontarians or I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I, don't, I have. I've never thought until this moment about what you call people who live in Ontario. But anyway, Ephesus is in modern day Turkey. And so he was writing there. Who are the authors? 
these letters were written by apostles. In fact, the entire New Testament was written by apostles. The word apostle literally means those who have been sent. Jesus sent them to preach and teach his message in his name. They were instruments of divine revelation. They carried the authority of Jesus himself because he gave it to them. He gave this authority to them. None of them were self-appointed. You don't decide, hey, I'm going to be an apostle and this is what I'm going to do. They were each appointed by Jesus himself. One time, uh, Jesus told the apostles, in fact, that they would be supernaturally guided into all truth. That's why the teachings of the apostles were considered scripture, and they still are. The mark of what would be included in the New Testament was simple. It must be written by or based on the teaching of Jesus or one of his apostles. So that's how all the books came together. This is why the book of Acts says the early Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to it because it was scripture. Jesus had said he would use them to write the scripture in the New Testament. So Paul wrote 13 of the 21 letters. We're going to look at a letter from Paul today. Uh, He wrote 13 of the 21 letters that are found in the New Testament. Um, And you you can see here kind of which ones he wrote. He wrote uh, these letters to the churches, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. He wrote two letters to Timothy, a protege of his, Titus and Philemon. Titus was a leader in the church, and uh, Philemon was as well. So uh, he was a former persecutor of the church. He was he persecuted Christians. Uh, that was his aim in life was to take everybody who believed in Jesus Christ out. Uh, And he experienced a radical conversion on a road where he was, the road to Damascus, where he was going to kill more Christians. (laughs) So um, it was at this point that Paul received his appointment as an apostle. So he he was a little later on, but uh, he was the last apostle to be appointed. The books of Peter, James, and John, you can see them there over there on the right. They're, they're known as general letters, uh, letters by others on this chart. Um, there are a couple other letters. They're known as the general letters and were written to the church at large. They were just circulated, copied, and circulated to all the churches in the, the world at the time. <clears throat> in this series... What we're doing is, and one of the reasons I'm trying to give this background, is our aim is to bridge from the world of the first century Christians to our world. And that's really our aim every week. (laughs) As we get into the scriptures, what we want to do is help you. We want to look at what God's saying in those scriptures, and we want to build a bridge 
to our lives today. Because Jesus said, that's how you get to know him better. That's where the blessing is. The blessing's in doing what God says to do in his word. If you're normal, though, you, you, you just tell me if you consider yourself normal. You don't have to tell me right now. <laughs> but you can decide in your own mind. <laughs> but if you're normal, the Bible can be in, intimidating a little bit. I mean, it's overwhelming. It's 66 books. It's, there's a lot there. There's a lot to it. However, like many things, it's not as difficult if you have the right tools. So near the end of the message, I'm going to mention some tools that are really helpful for getting the most out of Scripture. And it's incredibly important to get into Scripture, to understand how it's put together, and how to read to get the most out of it. Because when we read the New Testament letters, when we read the Scripture at all, God is speaking to you and me. So... We get into the letters, and what we'll see is we'll see think specific people mentioned, situations they were facing, the occasions that prompted the letters. And God promises to help us understand if we set our heart and mind to listen to him speak to us through his word. Now, how valuable is that? I mean... Getting into the scripture and letting God speak to you through it is incredibly of value because he, he knows how we're wired together. He knows you and I intimately. He knows every detail of our lives. He's watching as our life is played out. And so we want to take the time in this series to dig into the letters particularly and help gain an understanding of how to get into the Scripture in general. If God has taken the time to speak to us through his word, through the Bible, that's an extremely important thing to know and to learn how to get the most out of it. We need to dig in. When I get into the Bible, this verse rings true. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Often, when I, when I get into the Bible, it pierces my heart. And God speaks to me with a clarity that no one else can. And it's more like surgery than it is like a thousand cuts so you'll bleed out. It's surgery. It's healing. It's helpful. It, it moves me in the right direction, and it shows me what to pay attention to in my life. It's incredibly valuable to hear God speak through the Bible. As we learn to read the New Testament letters, we're going uh, to identify with the people in them, their challenges, the situations, and the tensions they were struggling with. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to dig into Paul's letter to the Philippians. 
This letter was written to Christians living in Philippi. That's why, where it gets the name. It's, uh, that was a town in modern-day Greece. And so we're going to look at how to hear God when we're reading these letters. Really, it, some of the things we're talking about applies to any book of the Bible, but we're going to focus on the letters. So first, get curious. As you begin to get into the letter, ask questions about it. Ask questions about the passage you're reading. Sort of get curious. And it really begins to help if you're asking questions and you're putting yourself in the situation that they're in. It helps to begin to build a bridge to your life as you get the answers to these questions. So some of the questions that are important is, They're listed on the listening guide. Who is the author? What is the setting? Who were the recipients? Who was the recipient or who were the recipients? Answering this question can help us orient to the message of the letter. So Philippians 1, 1 through 2 gives us some answers to these questions. Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's the author, the Apostle Paul. He wrote this letter to Christians in the region, in a region of Macedonia, Greece, a Roman province of Philippi. So other questions? What's the occasion? What's the situation? What, what are we learning about God? What are we learning about people? What principles apply for today? And how do they apply? Uh, we, we can answer these questions if you keep going in chapter 1, verse 3 uh, through 7. I thank God, my God in all my remembrance of you, always in prayer, every prayer of mine, For you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So he's grateful they're they're working with him, they're teammates. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for You are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense of and confirmation of the gospel. So here we find out some things. Um, Paul is in prison. He's actually in prison in Rome. You can read about that in the book of Acts. This is a prison letter written from Rome around the year A.D. 72 or 62. Sorry. It's a thank you letter. They, they have been supporting Paul. They've been helpful to Paul. It contains teaching because, I mean, you, you can read, wow, okay, but God who started a work in me is going to bring it to completion. That's, hey, that's fantastic. He's, he's not going to leave me unfinished. He's going to keep working with me to complete the work he's doing in me. So you, you learn there's some teaching, but he's especially grateful because the church has sent him resources and gifts 
during his imprisonment. So that's kind of what's going on. Moving ahead to the next chapter, you begin to see why he's so thankful. Philippians 2, 25 through 30. I've thought it necessary to send you to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow, if he would have died. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died. For the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. What a powerful example this is. The journey from Philippi to Rome, Epaphroditus, he's being honored here. Paul's commending him for what he's done. The journey from Philippi to Rome wouldn't have been easy. It was, it was about a thousand miles give or take. He probably walked, maybe took a boat across the, the ocean, um, and it would have taken at least six weeks. It's not like you fly, you know, in that day. <laughs> no airplanes, no cars, no nothing. A thousand miles. You know, we have Amazon Prime, UPS next day. We're used to things moving quick. In contrast, this is a huge sacrifice that Epaphroditus undertook. And Paul is extremely grateful for what he's done. So second, that's the first thing. Um, We want to get curious about what's going on in the, the Bible and ask God to speak to us through it. The second thing is to avoid, we need to avoid some some things. First of all, a hard heart and a defensive spirit. If the the New Testament talks about receiving the word of God that's been planted in us, and to receive the word of God, we have to choose humility. It's easy to get defensive. You're reading, oh, that's that is just too hard right there. What he's saying and what he's asking me to do, that's just too much. There's no way that I'm going to be able to get that done. So we have to choose humility and we have to ask God to break up our hard hearts and speak to us. And then the next thing to avoid is reading into the passage. It's good to imagine what's going on, to ask questions about it, and to put yourself into the story, but we, we must avoid reading our own perspective and worldview into the Bible. We need to take it out of the Bible, so we need to avoid assumptions as well. I've read that before, heard it before, you glance through it, and you know, you, you, you need a fresh take on it to pull out of it. We're trying to pull out of the scriptures 
rather than read into the scriptures. We need to go to the Bible to let it change our minds, not take our mind to it. And then we need to avoid putting God in a box. Well, he couldn't do that anymore today. I mean, those, those things just wouldn't happen right now. Um, God is at work. He's alive. He's, he's working in us still. And then we need to avoid ignoring the big picture and the context of the book because the way the Bible is, God intentionally is telling this story with the scriptures. He's, he's included history in it, and there's this beginning-to-end narrative that we can get into and understand. And that specific book that you're reading and that passage that you're reading is better understood in the context of that whole story. So one of the rules of interpreting Scripture is it's best interpreted by other Scriptures because you, you need to put it in context. So those are some things to avoid. And then finally, to get the most out of our reading, we must build a bridge to our life. <clears throat> That's crucial. When we read God's word, we should remember that God is, he wants to speak to us through it. He is speaking to you and I. To hear him, we need to ask him to speak and be ready to obey. So we, we have to, this is where the hum, humble approach get, comes in. So we're, we're asking God to speak to us and we're trying to get set to do what he says. In fact, Jesus said at one point, John seven seventeen, if any man's will is to do his will, he will know whether my teaching is from my own authority or whether I am speaking with God from, from God. So there's this need to get set to obey. Often God, God isn't going to speak. To us if we're not ready to do what he says. So anyway, we're trying to build this bridge and it's interesting. Here's, here's one way to build the bridge. Paul gives a command to obey in verses 29 through 30. We just read those. He says, honor such men like Epaphroditus. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Epaphroditus is legendary. Think about how many people read about what he did, have read since he did it. I mean, his story's been read by millions. Uh, it's been passed on all through these years. And Paul is making a statement of who we should honor here. He, Paul is saying, look, he, he's, he's an ordinary man. He takes a risk. He nearly dies to encourage me, one of the key leader, leaders in the Christian faith. And I'm grateful for that. But beyond that, these are the kind of people that you honor. People who risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. And when I read that, when I see what Paul's doing, when I look at his example and I read this command, 
it challenges me to be grateful for those who help me this way. And beyond that, to be grateful for those who take risks for the sake of the gospel. To get the word out. And what happens is, this informs my affections. It shows me what is important. It shapes my values. And so as I'm living life, you know, we're trying to decide, okay, in this situation, what's most important? What should I say? What should I do? How, how do I do that? This shows me what should go to the top of my priority list. I want to take the time to show gratitude and to honor people who risk their lives for the gospel. That's why White Christmas, frankly, is one of my favorite Christmas movies. <laughs> I love it. Hold on just a second. Um, rewind. <laughs> uh, I, I'm really moved when the general is honored in White Christmas. And here, here's why he was honored. We ate, and then he ate. We slept, and then he slept. Yeah, then he woke up, and nobody slept for 48 hours. Did you, did you guys hear that? It wasn't very loud to me. I'm, I'm going deaf, though, so, hey, there it is again. Um, we ate, and then he ate. We slept, and then he slept. When he woke up, nobody got any sleep for the next 48 hours because he was, he was leading. He was leading men into battle. And so this led an impression. He's doing what a good leader does. Good leader sacrifices for the people under them. And uh, his men remembered this sacrifice. It, it touched them deeply. And they put a plan together to honor him when they found out later that he was in a bad way. Here's, here's the moment at which I tend to tear up in the movie. <laughs> They commended him because of his sacrifice. One of the reasons that gets to me so much is because this is right before God. That we honor the people around us who bless us personally and particularly who are extending themselves to do the work of God's kingdom. God wants us to honor those who sacrifice for us for his kingdom's sake. And this is how we bridge from the first century world to our world. It takes time and energy to say thanks, but it is a worthy investment. That's what Paul's saying here. When we take time to honor godly character, it holds up the values of what God says is important in the world. These are the things that have the highest honor in his kingdom. So as you're reading a letter like Philippians, written almost 2,000 years ago, 
you've never met Paul, you don't know Epaphroditus, you've never visited, likely, you've never visited the city of ancient Philippi. But when you read it, you can stop and consider, what is God saying to me here? What is he saying to me through this letter? Maybe he's saying, write a thank you note. It's going to take maybe about 20 minutes to find a stamp, maybe longer if you have to go buy one, four or five dollars for a card. But thanking people specifically is so enriching to both parties. So that that's, could be an application. Here at Church of the Valley, we, we really want to help you build a bridge from the first century world to our world, or actually as we're dealing with older passages from really ancient literature to our, our day. If we hear what God is saying to us, through his word, he changes our lives over time. That's why it's so important. That's why we need to learn how to get into it and understand it. Here's a picture of the Golden Gate Bridge. This is the most famous bridge in our state. Uh, it, it takes you from the city, San Francisco proper, to Marin County. Uh, my sister-in-law used to live there. Uh, to get across the, the, the bay by car, you need a bridge. <laughs> I mean, swimming would be really tough. You could take a boat. I get sick on boats, so I prefer to drive. In the same way, we need a bridge to cross the span of time from the first century to the 21st century. The letters written to people in an ancient culture need to be understood in a way that we can build that bridge to, to bridge the gap between their world and ours and apply the Bible to our life. If you don't have much experience reading the Bible, the thought of bridging worlds can seem daunting. It, it really can. So I'd like to suggest some tools to make it easier. The first resource I'd suggest that can be really helpful is a good study Bible. Uh, I suggest the English Standard Version Study Bible, ESV Study Bible. Here's a picture of it. Most of the time I reference ESV during the message, and this is a very helpful study Bible. Uh, it gives an introduction to each book, and the introduction provides helpful background on what you're reading, the purpose of the book, the setting of the book, uh, the context. Uh, it's at the very beginning of each book in the study Bible. Uh, it also provides some insights into the meaning of certain verses and passages as you get into each book. Um, when I first started reading the Bible, often I would read a, a verse and I would think, what in the world is that talking about? And then I had a study Bible, and I would look down at the notes that are right underneath. You can see them there in that picture. They're right underneath, and it would answer my question. I'm like, wow, they, they knew what I was thinking. So it could be a very helpful thing. You can find one of these on Amazon for about 23 bucks. You can find them wherever you want, probably. 
whatever your christianbook.com has them. Uh, it also has a Kindle version. I think it's about 25 bucks. Another helpful resource is the Bare Bones Bible Handbook. Uh, the tagline for this book is 10 Minutes to Understanding Each Book of the Bible. So it's just a real brief introduction. This book covers the grand theme and the main points of each book. It covers the key men and women of God that you and what you can learn from them and the major events in Bible history with their significance. You can get that book on Amazon for about 10 bucks. So these are really helpful tools that sort of help you get oriented to the specific book that you're reading. And then another tool uh, for application comes from uh, a friend of mine, Rick Warren, who came up with this. He, he actually came up with an acrostic called Space Pets, but I'm only going to use space um, for our purposes today. Space, you can use that acrostic to bridge from their world to ours, from the, the first century world to ours, or whatever world it is. Um, and there's, these are questions that you can ask of the passage to help you get understand what's going on in it and what God might be saying to you. First of all, uh, is there a sin that I need to confess? As I'm reading this, has the Holy Spirit pointed out something in me that I need to change and that I need to confess? Do I need to make restitution with anyone? Do I admit, need to just admit a wrong? Um, like the passage we've been looking at this morning, I'm thinking possibly what God could say is I need to quit complaining and be thankful. You know, that's that's the word. Is, so that's something to confess. Um, uh, is there a promise to claim? Is it a universal promise? Ha, have I met the conditions of the promise? And one of the promises we looked at is God will complete the work that he started in me. I can trust that. I can trust that God is taking everything that's going on in my life, all the pain, all the struggles, all the ups, all the downs, and he is working in me to complete his work. So that's a promise I can trust. Is there an attitude to change? Am I willing to work on changing my attitude to a Christ-like one? That's the humility. Don't complain, just be grateful. That's one, one thing we could take away. Uh, is there a command to obey? In this passage, we looked at uh, honor people who risk for the gospel. That's something we should do. Am I, am I willing to do this no matter how I feel? Am I willing to take... Is there an example to follow in the past? I, I think Paul's example was great. Is there a positive example to copy? Or is there a negative one to avoid? Often in Scripture, you find both. I want to express gratitude like Paul as I go through this. So... If we hear God speak through the Word of God, through His Bible, through His Scriptures, if we hear Him speak on a regular basis, it changes our lives. It's alive. And so that's why we're doing this series. Because there's so much to gain 
by digging into the scripture and pulling out the attitudes and the things I need to avoid and the perspective that I need to adopt in my life. So we're going to spend the next few weeks digging in to learn how to better hear what God's saying. As I wrap up this morning, I'd like to invite you to take some next steps. First one could be dig into the Bible this week. So uh, maybe you want to read Philippians or read Galatians for next week uh, just to get ready for it, but dig into the Bible. And then maybe another step is buy a resource to help you understand the Bible, the ESV Study Bible or Bare Bones Bible Handbook. Or another step could be to come back for the rest of the series. Um, each week, often what God does is he speaks through the word that's His word that's mentioned here. And uh, so this is an important thing to do. Keep coming back. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word. I pray that you give us all a better grasp of how to apply it to our lives, how to build the bridge from the world in the Bible days to our world, and I pray that, God, more and more, you would speak to us through the the scripture that we read, and that we would learn how to step out to follow you as a result. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.